Greetings, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our One Earth podcast, and this is your host for the day, Nemeth Singh. This episode is brought to you by the Mash Project Foundation. There is no unique path when it comes to sustainability. If you are curious about how to shift or build a career in this field, there are a few ways to get started. So for today's episode, we have Anurit Kanti, who would be sharing with us his journey in the field of sustainability, give us tips to be in this field, and share insights for ensuring that the pursuit of pursuit for sustainable development is accelerated. Anurit Kanti is a sustainability and ESG professional who has worked in India's leading renewable energy company, Renew Power, where along with helping the company become a preferred ESG investment destination and supporting activities around sustainable reporting and improving the company's sustainability performance. He also supported the CSR and communications agenda of the company, leading various thought leadership initiatives around sustainability and climate action, such as helping the leadership's participation in the World Economic Forum in Davos from 2019 to 2022, COP26 in Glasgow, and the upcoming COP27 conference in Egypt. He's a former international award-winning environment journalist, working for leading publications, for which he won the Young Environmental Journalist of the Year Award at the Asian Environmental Journalism Awards by the Singapore Environment Council. Outside work, he's a global shaper for the World Economic Forum in its Gurukram Hub, where he has curated and led various sustainability-themed projects. He's also an elected director in the Alumni Council of his alma mater, Ashoka University. Anurit has won numerous accolades throughout his professional and academic life, including being selected in the 40 under 40 list of the Indian Achievers Club when he was just 27, being the youngest person on the list. He has spoken extensively on national and international platforms on topics around sustainability, environment and climate change, including giving lectures at universities and schools. Hello, Anurit. Welcome to One Earth Podcast. How are you doing today? Uh, thank you, Nehmat. I'm doing fine, and it's a pleasure to be here as a guest for this podcast. I think it is extremely le- relevant in the context of the larger conversations on sustainability and climate change. We are so happy to have you on our podcast, looking at the achievements, you know, and uh, all the wonderful work you've been doing. Likewise, Nehmat. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Great. So, Anurith, you've done your master's in this field. Then you've been in different parts of career in sustainability from working in a company with sustainable products to advocacy and journalism and then being a corporate sustainability and ESG professional and also an ESG consultancy. So what really fascinated you to study and choose a career in the field of sustainability? And we would also love to know, like, what was your personal motivation? Sure. Thank you, Neymar. So uh, actually, initially, I was first... uh considering taking up international relations and geopolitics as my career. And I was really interested in that. And I slowly sort of pivoted towards sustainability when I realized that the scope of impact possible on sustainability is possible on different levels as compared to geopolitics and international relations, where the scope of impact is limited to just national and international level. While in sustainability, you can have an impact on an individual level from a community or school or university or workplace or a local level then also on a national level and international and geopolitical level. So just the scope of impact possible on different levels was one aspect of it. 
and uh, through all my research, uh, although all my research papers during college and my bachelor's were in the arena of sustainability, it was actually my master's in Ashoka, which is a liberal arts university, which really got me into sustainability. I obviously read a lot of different research papers on it, excerpts from famous books and papers by sustainability right. stalwarts uh, mm -hmm. like uh, Rachel Carson and Johan Rockstrom and Kay Travers. Agyeman, Donella Meadows, all the famous people in sustainability. And I got introduced to a new way to actually think about sustainability. For example, uh, the concept of planetary thresholds by Rockstrom, which, uh, which says that our planet's resilience depends on these nine planetary thresholds, or the concept of donut economics by Kay Travers, which brings about the social element on top of Rockstrom's findings. So all of it was very fascinating to me. And also the fact that, you know, everything around us has a hidden ecological footprint, not just carbon footprint which everyone hears about but also water footprint and palm oil footprint and so on it was all very intriguing to me i also learned about uh, i guess the monetary cost of environmental destruction something conventional economics which i learned during my bachelor's didn't account for i actually wrote about an article called the economics of the delhi smog back as an environment journalist and it became the cover story for the publication at that time so that was another aspect the monetary value of environmental stuff and also learning about how non-market goods and environmental goods can have this monetary value and how that is calculated. I started learning about how flawed conventional economic theories were, about how promoting growth and consumption was the crux of these economic theories, and it didn't take into account our planet. Another thing which also fascinated me was uh, that while I was that I was actually studying all this in a liberal arts college, so I sort of approached sustainability from a very multidisciplinary perspective. I realized that uh, students and advocates of all disciplines have a role to play. You can be a finance person, you can be a political science person, you can be a literature person, an economics person, and you can still leverage your understanding of that discipline to contribute towards sustainability. So everyone has a role to play. And finally, the major thing which fascinated me and was my personal motivation was just that sustainability is not just about the environment. I mean, 13 out of the 17 sustainable development goals are actually not about the environment. And aspects like poverty, gender, health, employment, and so on are equally important in this narrative of sustainability. And that's where the climate, or the topic of climate justice becomes so important. So just knowing that everything is so interconnected in this realm, every choice you make has a larger impact, every solution needs multidisciplinary approaches was all very fascinating to me. And, and it's still evolving. I actually learn something new about this exciting yet critical field every day so very exciting field I am to be in. sure <laughs> that's that's wonderful to hear you know and uh since i also come from a sustainable background of course i do not have too much of an experience but you know it really um i personally love hearing stories of what brought people in this field and uh, i think it was it was wonderful to hear yours so to move on you know as you mentioned and considering your uh, journey from an environmental journalist to working in the renewable energy sector and being a corporate sustainability professional, could you highlight the need for a multidisciplinary and a multi-stakeholder approach to achieving the goals of sustainable development? Sure. Sure, Naimat. Uh, so as I mentioned briefly in the previous answer, I am a firm believer that issues of sustainability not only need to be approached from a multi multidisciplinary angle, but also require a multi-stakeholder approach for it to be tackled effectively. So let's start with the multidisciplinary part. I actually dedicated a significant part of my master's thesis, which was on ways to incentivize sustainable development on this. So back when I was a student of economics, I used to be fascinated with economics. And I was this proponent that, uh, that you know, this discipline can actually help solve all of the world's problems. And little did I know that how wrong I was. And 
and as I did my masters and a bit before that during the Young India Fellowship program, Ashoka, I began to realize that as I mentioned, how flawed conventional economic theories are when it comes to solving issues of sustainability. As I mentioned, conventional economic theories root for growth-focused models which promote consumption. But we have seen what rampant growth and unchecked consumerism can do to the environment and the planet with environmental degradation and waste generation being accelerated. There's actually a quote by Donella Meadows, uh, who I mentioned before earlier, which says that the motto should not be blind opposition to progress, but rather opposition to blind progress. And that kind of stuck by me. So you need a multidisciplinary approach to solve issues of sustainability, because as I mentioned, it's not just about the environment. Sure, you need the, obviously you need the sciences and all to address issues of natural resource and biodiversity and yes. environmental mm -hmm. conservation and so on. But there are other disciplines which play an equally important role. A political science student can contribute to figuring out a, how a political economy can place sustainability at the heart of development efforts. A finance student can help figure out avenues for improving climate financing. Even a literature student can contribute towards advocacy efforts and how knowledge about this field is communicated better. So every discipline can play a role and I'm happy to dwell further into that. But let me just get into the second part about multi-stakeholder approaches. So the issues of sustainable development and climate action are so vast that you definitely need an all-hands-on-board approach to address them. You need stakeholders across the spectrum. You need governments to create a conducive policy framework for accelerating sustainable development. You need global multilateral agencies to be an advisor to these regulators, help in research, finance, advocacy, and so on. You need investors and finance folks to help close the large climate finance gap. You need companies and businesses to develop technology and find solutions. You need communities on ground for advocacy and implementation efforts. And finally, you need individuals like me and you to actually subscribe to a sustainable lifestyle because every effort counts and not one stakeholder can address this issue in silos. So there you have it. You need a multidisciplinary, multi-stakeholder approach, which is a way to go to achieve the goals of sustainable development. I mean, the SDG 17 is partnership for the goals, which directly implies what I'm saying here. Absolutely. No, I totally resonate with the point that you know brought up um, that you brought up around conventional economic models. And I see, I feel like everybody is getting that reality check about how our environment is being affected every day. And, uh, you know, uh, every day, even when I'm interacting with sustainability professionals or people coming from different fields, I realize more and more as to how, you know, how different fields can actually contribute to right, sustainability. Yeah. So that's that's really brilliant. So um, moving on, you know, when we talk about, um, sorry, with your experience and knowledge, what do you see as gaps for bridging climate action and sustainable development? And what, according to you, more needs to be done? Sure, Nemat, a very relevant question. And I'll, uh, I actually think about it in six ways and about the gaps, okay. gaps for bridging climate action and sustainable development. And the sixth part of it is basically what more needs to be done. So firstly, um, on a local level, I think there needs to be a cohesion of communities which are on the same page about sustainable development. Just a basic reinforcement of my earlier point about not working in silos. And of course, that trickles down to the community level. So that's the first gap which needs to be bridged. Secondly, I think once we have local community cohesion on a co local community cohesion, I think on a national level, let's take uh, India, for example, we need to bridge the gap with respect to state level coordination for national objectives on sustainability. 
for example we have national goals for climate action called the nationally determined contributions which we which india submitted in paris at cop 21 and we kind of raised the goals in cop 26 in glasgow but if states internally in india do not coordinate efforts towards meeting these national goals would be ineffective so each country needs its respective regions to coordinate to achieve the national goals so that's the second gap which needs to be bridged the third gap is on a global level we need geopolitical consensus we can't have one country taking large strides for climate action and sustainable development while another country is just emitting like anything i mean uh, it is one planet in the end the the concept of planetary thresholds which of rockstrom i spoke of earlier precisely reinforces my earlier point that everything is interconnected one country emitting less and one country emitting more sort of negates each other and we arrive at the same place so a geopolitical consensus consensus uh, consensus on climate action and sustainable development is the third gap which needs to be bridged fourthly a very short point but obviously the climate finance or the sustainable de- development finance gap is critical to be bridged for climate action and sustainable development i think currently the climate finance gap is at 3 to 4 trillion us dollars annually and we are far behind that but hopefully a part of this gap is bridged further at uh cop 27 in november in egypt so let's we are still working towards the climate finance gap being bridged fifthly the gap which i will refer to is the hard to abate dilemma currently companies and industries contributing to just 30% of the global gdp contribute to 85% of global emissions so there's a clear mismatch here and we need to bridge that we need countries putting more emissions out there to earn less and companies which are more sustainable to earn more and contribute more to global gdp so that's the fifth gap and finally the the final gap and which also kind of feeds into what more needs to be done is the gap related to climate justice as i mentioned earlier people and society are equally important stakeholders when it comes to sustainability millions of people who are affected by the pandemic and millions more will be thrust into poverty due to climate change and women children especially girls and more so from marginalized communities are more vulnerable to the highest degree of climate risk yet most decision making related to climate action and beneficiaries of climate finance and so on are not these folks we need the climate uh, climate justice gap to be bridged for any of these efforts to be meaningful because the majority of those at risk are still sort of contoured out of mainstream development narratives so more needs to be done for gender parity poverty eradication and society or people related issues when it comes to climate action and sustainable development great thank you so much for those viewpoints you know uh, you framed it so well that you know while you were speaking it was all it all made sense and was so relevant but anurag so when we also talk about sustainability we realize everything cannot be accounted for in a monetary form and yeah. how so how should we consider accounting of valuing non market goods and how does it benefit the decision making process for companies or investors or the government especially in matters uh, which are related to sustainable development and i would actually like you to discuss this because i feel um, it is very important and relevant for anybody joining this field to know right uh, thank you nemata a very relevant question again and i kind of spoke about this briefly earlier but let me elaborate actually wrote a paper back during my bachelor's on something called contingent valuation method which is just a method to value these non market goods and these non market goods are referred to as intangible goods like fresh air or scenic beauty or these environmental aspects which are not really tangible market goods and this was something which really fascinated me because i think 
we live in a society right now where people do not actually care about things until there is a there's a price tag associated with it and as a student of uh, environmental economics this was extremely intriguing to me once we actually right. start considering accounting or valuing these ma- non market goods as an important part of the process of de- for decision making for any of these stakeholders be it companies or investors or governments the sustainable development issue becomes much easier to solve and this is beca- this is actually becoming very mainstream governments before they build a bridge or a road do value these non market aspects in their cost benefit analysis when evaluating any project like what would be the monetary loss associated with loss of biodiversity or the blocking of the view of trees even these very intangible things and this is done through the contingent valuation method sometimes which actually uses surveys to evaluate people's willingness to pay or accept for the loss or gain of this non market environmental good and even companies now like corporates where esg and sustainability are becoming integral aspects of corporate strategy they found ways right. to monetarily value their contribution to sustainability and there are companies and tools dedicated to accounting just this accounting and valuing these non market intangible aspects and investors also as you mentioned like they are also now heavily looking at accounting and valuing these aspects when it, when it comes to investing or deploying capital in companies and that is actually the whole basis for esg funds being on a meteoric rise in the past few years once you actually start associating a monetary value to the gains through more sustainable development or the losses due to hurdles in sustainable development there is a fresh perspective introduced which benefits decision making in a big way and frankly as i said it provides an impetus to the narrative of sustainable development though of course there are uh, i i also agree with traditional environmentalists who argue that you know one should not care about these things without it having a monetary value associated with it you should care about it because it's the right thing to do but you know the right. world we live in and it's sometimes difficult for people to care about these things without that price tag associated so yeah i mean that's <laughs> Yes no and that's good to hear also that you know uh, government and other corporate sector as well they are taking actions around it such as you know environment and social impact assessments being done before any major project taking up so that's right. something that's much needed and uh, so moving on to our last segment what would you suggest to our listeners or any guidance when it comes to choosing a career in sustainability or making an impact in this realm Sure, sure, and uh, yeah, Nehmat. I mean, as you know, I sort of been in different parts of this realm earlier, and I've actually talked about this extensively with universities and school students how you can sort of choose a career here. So I would actually suggest to the listeners, as I mentioned various times, that everyone has a role to play, and you may sometimes think you're not really making an impact on sustainable development and climate action, <coughs> but you actually are. But uh, down to brass tacks, as someone who has been in different parts of sustainability in my career and different stages of my life i would say there are roughly 7 to 8 ways you can look at choosing a career in sustainability firstly you can look at working in companies which has sustainable products like a renewable energy company or a sustainable fabric company or any product which replaces a product with a higher ecological footprint so that's the one way of sort of working in a company which has sustainable products secondly you can work in the corporate sustainability or esg department of any company and now most companies have a corporate sustainability or esg department and this allows you a chance to make the company you're working in itself more sustainable across environmental social and governance parameters and this is becoming increasingly important for inv- uh, companies given regulations and investors and capital access and even storytelling 
so that's another way you know working in the sustainability or esg department of any company and when you work for a polluting industry is esg or sustainability department that's even more impactful because you are heavily sort of like uh, reducing environmental uh, like yeah. Im- negative impact thirdly what you can look at is working in a sustainability focused think tank and contribute to uh, contribute towards research and the academic part of sustainability and you, that may also find its way towards policy making in this field and then your work will have intangible but extremely large impacts through like working in think tanks for sustainability fourthly i would say you can work for sustainability or esg consultancies which is sort of related to the second point but these are consultancies which specifically advise companies in becoming more sustainable or more esg focused and basically working closely with the respective sustainability or esg departments and through this you will get a holistic understanding across industries about how they can become more sustainable fifthly you can work in the advocacy part of sustainability you can become an environment or sustainability journalist you can work with communication agencies which sort of have a focus on sustainability and this has its own sort of impact in many ways you know working in advocacy getting knowledge to be communicated better sixthly you can work in research, the research and academia part again without being in a sustainability focused think tank which is but being a teacher or being a professor or pursuing a phd in this area and actually contribute towards climate or environment education by being on ground and teaching or researching first hand so that's the sixth way seventhly is you can work for organizations which focus on creating partnerships for sustainability like for example like the world economic forum you know and partnerships are extremely important as i said that's what sdg 17 is about so you can work for these facilitators for partnerships and collaborations to meet the goals of sustainability and finally which is a major point is that there are actually a plethora of miscellaneous ways to be involved in sustainability you can directly sort of work for conservation wildlife and biodiversity waste management and so on even if you work in the field of gender or poverty eradication or health or employment you're still working towards sustainability so every role every career path is important for sustainability if you sort of look at it from the right perspective so i would urge all of you listeners to sort of really consider choosing this path because it's not just for yourself but it's for the greater good that was beautifully broken down for our listeners anurith thank you so much and uh, it was lovely talking to you and you know listening to your insightful experiences and knowledge and i'm sure our listeners enjoyed listening to you as well thank you so if much. you like our podcast then do like and share with your friends you can also visit our social media handles for more such content do not forget to follow mash project on social media i hope we all opt for sustainable choices to fight against climate change with that note we would like to bid goodbye to you all see you in the next episode